Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. And as always, I'm excited. But today, I am exceptionally excited because we have Jay Bear who's going to talk to us and tell us all about what's going on in his world, especially his new book, Hug Your Haters. And if you don't know about Jay, Jay is a rock star in business. He's advised some of the greatest companies in the world like Caterpillar, Nike, Allstate, United Nations. Uh, He's 32 of the Fortune 500 companies this guy has worked with. He's the founder of Convince and Convert, which is a consulting firm that helps companies gain and keep more customers through the intersection of technology, social media, and my favorite topic, which is customer service. Jay's the most, uh, the world's most retweeted person among all digital marketers. Now think about that. He's not just a popular guy. He's the world's most retweeted person. Jay, welcome to the show. This is Amazing Business Radio, and we're so glad to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. You are my amazing friend. Yeah, when that report came out uh, like a year ago or so, they had this you know list of, of people who were retweeted amongst digital marketers. And I was first, uh, and, and Pharrell was like sixth. And if you want to get good credibility with your teenage children, you just sort of accidentally leave that on the breakfast table. You're like, hey, wait a second, dad's first, Pharrell is sixth. I know uh, that, that, that carried me. That carried me for like three months in the eyes of my teenagers. Wow, and and that had to make you very happy. Oh, I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. It just printed itself. I'm not sure how that happened. So Pharrell and happy, and uh, it all works out. That's right. So exactly. so well, that's that's a great title. But more importantly, is the title of your new book, "Hug Your Haters," which we'll get into in just a moment. But first, give us a little background on yourself. So I started off in uh, politics. I was a political campaign consultant uh, as a young man. I realized did not that's know not that. Particularly... You didn't know that? Yeah, I, did not I was, know uh, that. That's what I. That's where I started. I ran campaigns and discovered that was not the most family friendly industry, and so got out of that and got into traditional marketing uh, for uh, some big companies for a small number of years, and then worked for the government for about five minutes as a spokesman, and then accidentally got involved in the internet in 1993. And I've only done two smart things, Shep. I convinced my wife to marry me, which was no small feat, and I got involved in the Internet in 1993 and had the good sense to never get out of the Internet. So 93 was probably, I mean, I realize the Internet was probably around for, what, six, eight years before that, but it was just beginning to explode. It was text only. I mean, it was just essentially text only when I got involved. Right. And Prodigy and CompuServe and all that. Your email address was a number at (laughs) CompuServe.com. Exactly. Yes, it took a while. It took a and, while to send anything. And people would say, are you doing anything on the Internet? And you'd say, yes, I have AOL. And AOL was a word synonymous with the Internet. That's right. Boy, Yeah, now we have Facebook, changed. which is uh, everything old is new again. Right, right, right. So anyway, that's pretty exciting. And, and you've written a lot of books. Uh, you've written a number of New York Times bestselling books. Um, you and I met uh, in Indianapolis a few years ago, and you had just come out with that book. Um Oh, it's uh, Utility, I think. I, yep, I, I Utility. Yep. Love right. that book. Love that Thank book. You. Yep. What else have you written? What are the other ones? So I wrote, uh, my first book was uh, The Now Revolution, which I wrote with Amber Nasslin, which is all about social media's impact on business and, and social business and kind of the cultural impact of social media on companies. And then I wrote uh, Utility, uh, which uh, which you're familiar with, which is uh, all about 
being useful as a marketing advantage. And then I wrote two special books along that same theme, vertical books. I wrote Utility for Accountants and Utility for Real Estate. Uh, and then my new book is Hug Your Haters, How to Embrace Complaints and Keep Your Customers. All right. So let's talk about Hug Your Haters. I love haters. No, I, I love complainers. I don't necessarily yeah, love the haters, best. but I love the complainers. So give us some background. What does Hug Your Haters mean? So hug your haters means that you answer every complaint in every channel every time. Uh, Customers aren't always right, but customers always deserve to be heard. Uh, And most companies, especially online, where more and more customer interactions are taking place, most companies simply do not do that. They routinely and procedurally, strategically ignore customer feedback and customer questions and customer complaints in social media, on review sites, on discussion boards and forums. They treat customers in a way online that they simply would never treat a customer offline, and that has to change. So you say they strategically ignore it. You mean they're consciously making a decision, let's not deal with that tweet. All let's the time. Not I've deal got it, with that. All the time. Really? I've got a friend here. I've got a friend here in uh, Bloomington, Indiana, great guy, good friend of mine, owns a brewery, very popular brewery, the most popular brewery in, in this part of uh, the Midwest, as a matter of fact. But, but as a company policy... They do not engage with people on Yelp or TripAdvisor. Like, nah, it's just, you know, people there have, you know, the reviews aren't true or they say things that aren't accurate. So we just completely ignore that customer channel. And that is, that is the, that is the rule, not the exception. Um, and, and it is crazy. That is crazy. I just, I, I find that hard to believe. I realized that over the years I've been writing about this and I talk about how, how, Companies are starting to finally get it. They're starting to get involved. Now, Yelp, somebody leaves a complaint on Yelp. Ideally, they they leave a praise on Yelp. But uh, if they leave that complaint, is that a bad thing? No, it's a great thing. Um, I mean, look, companies know what they do well. If you say, hey, what are you guys good at? You know. The great thing about complainers and haters is that they tell you what you need to fix. They're going out of their way to use their time to tell you what you can do better at, right? That, that kind of free market research is, is absolutely valuable and, and important. Uh, the thing is, 95% of unhappy customers never complain in a form or fashion that the business can find, right? They just disappear. I call them the meh, the meh in the middle. They just like, me. I didn't like it, and they don't come back. Right, I call so that haters, the dangerous customer. Yeah, and they are super dangerous, right? And so the, the haters are essentially the unelected representatives of that group. So anytime somebody complains, you can be sure that a bunch of other people have the same experience. And so those complainers, those haters are massively valuable. I would say they are the most important customer in every business. Wow, that's pretty powerful. And there's usually in a complaint, if you can get through somebody who actually is on a rant and actually is angry, you can usually find some truth to their complaint that you have to deal with or should be dealing with. Absolutely. And, and even if you don't agree, I had the same question yesterday with a client. They said, well, this person left this review, and that's totally not true. And I said, well, but it's true to them. Right. And so it is true, right? Your perception is your reality. And most of the time where that gets messed up is that companies say, well, they're lying, or that's not true, or that's factually incorrect. But what they fail to understand is that complainers and customers can only see what they can see. They don't know all the extenuating circumstances. The pizza was late because the driver was out sick. The customer doesn't know about that and doesn't care. They just complain. But the business says, well, they're, they're attacking us, and we had a good reason why the pizza was late. It doesn't matter. It You're doesn't just matter. Excuses. Right. It, it is what it is. And, and it's the customer's perception that counts. 
one of the definitions of a brand is a promise delivered, and really uh, it's up to the customer to determine whether or not you have kept your promise. Yeah, and, and, and we think about sort of the hug your haters formula, this idea of answering every complaint in every channel. It, it ain't free, right? It, it is expensive to have somebody paying attention to Facebook and Twitter and all the discussion boards and all the other online places um, that you may be ignoring today. You probably have phone and email fairly well handled, although that is debatable in some cases too. But but it ain't free. Uh, but we have to understand that, that companies have to meet customers on the ground of the customer's choosing, not the ground of the company's insistence. This idea of if you want to talk to us, you've got to call us or email us is not going to work. Right. They have their own channels. About, yeah. I mean, look at young kids. i got two teenagers, as I mentioned. They have smartphones, but that's the worst named product ever because the one thing they do not want to do on those devices is use the telephone. No interest at all. I know. It's amazing. Some of them don't even realize there it's actually a phone is part of that. Right. They don't answer it. They don't use it. They just want to text and, and uh, communicate in, in some other form or some other channel. So how did you research this book? So I partnered with Edison Research, which is one of the most well-respected research organizations in the U.S. They are the exclusive provider of presidential election polling, among other things. They also do a lot of work in the radio industry, and we surveyed uh, 2,500 Americans, full-length survey, about who complains, where they complain, why they complain, and how. Uh, And it's an amazing treasure trove of of research. It's very topical, very timely, talks a lot about the shift to what we call on-stage customer service and on-stage complaints, which are in public, social media, discussion boards, review sites, etc. So we learned an awful lot. But the thing that we learned that's perhaps most uh, remarkable is that answering a complaint increases customer advocacy always in every channel. It takes a bad situation and it makes it better. Not answering a complaint decreases customer advocacy in every channel, every time. It takes a bad situation and it makes it worse. Now, doesn't that, to me, that's common sense. All you're doing, and, and I think you're doing a great service here, but what you're doing here is you're giving you know validity to it by using a firm like Edison and, and interviewing and getting surveys from 2,500 people. Absolutely. Yeah, you would think it's common sense. Um, but the one reason I think it may not be common sense, or at least not common, is that most companies don't do it. Right. Well, that's what customer service is. It's common sense. It's not always so common. <laughs> so. Yeah, precisely. Well, and it's not. And, and you know, look, we know in business, you learn in like the first two days that it makes more sense financially and from an efficiency standpoint to keep the customers you've already earned instead of having to constantly invest in acquiring new customers. It's axiomatic. Like, everybody knows that. There's no, there's no debate about that. But then if you look at how we actually spend our time and our dollars, we don't actually run companies that way. $500 billion a year are spent on marketing, $9 billion a year on customer service, even though we know it makes way more sense to keep customers. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So I want to make sure I I, I, I'm, I either missed out those numbers. You say five billion dollars a year is five hundred billion. Oh, five hundred billion. billion. Okay, on marketing versus, versus just nine. Nine. 
Okay, got it, got it. That's a big number. So here's what happens. In my opinion, what's what's going on is these companies are focused on the goal, which is to make money, and not yep. the function of their business, which according to Dr. Ted Levitt of uh, Harvard Business School fame, the function is to get and keep your customers. If you yep. get the customers and you keep your customers, it's the only way you'll achieve the goal. You can't achieve the goal without a customer. Well, and, and I think one of the things that exacerbates that problem in modern business is that so many leaders on the marketing and sales side are in the saddle for a very short period of time. I mean, the average tenure of a CMO is like 12, 14 months. So, so how can you come in there and say, let's play the long game, let's play the customer retention game, let's play the customer loyalty game when you think you may not be there very long? So it's all top-line numbers, top-line numbers, which is how we get this very marketing-centric sales-centric uh, style of, of business. And, and I say that as a marketing consultant, uh, but, but it just when you think about the ramifications of that on customer service and customer experience, that's why most customer service and customer experience sucks. That's a good way of putting it. All right, Jay, you are one smart dude. I think the listeners have figured that out. We're going to take a real short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about why we want to hug the haters. We want to talk about the complainers. We're going to talk about what we can do with them, how we can learn from them, and how it can make our business better. We'll take a short break. Don't go away. My name's Chef Hyken. This is Amazing Business Radio. If you're an entrepreneur and run a small business, then Sarah Petty's book, Worth Every Penny, is for you. Sarah shares tips on how to create a profitable business without participating in a slash-and-burn price war with your competitors. If you want to maximize your advantages over the big box stores, go to Amazon.com and check out Sarah Petty's book, Worth Every Penny. Build a business that thrills your customers and still charge what you're worth. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Jay Bear, a guru when it comes to social media and customer service. We're talking about his newest book, Hug Your Haters. If you want to learn more about Hug Your Haters, go to HugYourHaters.com. Even though the book doesn't officially come out until March 1st, if you buy it now, you will be able to actually get the galley copy, the current version of the book, which means you actually get the book now, just not in its physical form. Uh, Jay, am I right about that? Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You get the book. Uh, it's it's 98% of the, of the final book, uh, and you get it right now instead of March 1st. And you know what's really cool about this? is that Penguin, who's your publisher, this is the first I've heard of any major publisher allowing some customer to have the book before it's actually finished. It was an interesting conversation, put it that way. it was. (laughs) I'm sure it was. All right, back to hug your haters, back to complainers. You know, what are the – I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but let's, let's kick it back up. The benefits of answering every customer complaint and i mean every customer complaint yeah i mean there's a there's a number of benefits that i break down in the book one is you actually have a chance to keep the customer you know if somebody says something negative and you ignore it you literally have no chance to change their opinion you you are saying we don't care enough to actually put any effort into this right so you can't make lemons out of lemonade if you never grab lemons so that's part of it uh the other issue as we mentioned earlier in the previous segment that that answering complaints demonstrably increases customer advocacy. It, it very much does have 
uh, an impact. One of the other reasons that, that you should answer every complaint is that if you do that, it gives you an opportunity to glean those operational insights from those complaints to make your business better to hopefully not have somebody complain about that the next time. And then I think the fourth one, which is particularly important, is that customer service is the new marketing, right? It is how your company will differentiate itself. Your competitors can steal your products and your pricing and your website copy. They'll steal your best people. They'll try and poach your customers. The one thing that your competitors can never steal from you, can never take from you, is if you genuinely care more about your customers than they do. And customers are not stupid. They see that. They know that Chick-fil-A is better at customer service than McDonald's. They know that to be true, right? They know that some airlines are better at customer service than other airlines. And people start to vote with their wallets based on those criteria. So if you were looking for a way to differentiate your company, customer service and customer experience is a good place to start. And right. that begins with hugging your haters. And and the thing about it is it it is far more cost-effective to do what we're talking about here, uh, to try to keep those customers, even the angry ones. And by the way, when you solve or resolve an issue for an angry customer and you do it the right way, there's a pretty good chance their level of confidence will be higher than if the problem had never taken place at all. They become Isn't that an crazy? Even bigger advocate. So crazy. And that's why, that's why these companies who say we don't want to have complaints uh, completely have it, have it backwards. There's a, a case study I have in the book from La Pan Quotidienne, which is a, a chain of, of bakeries, about 220 locations. They're based in Brussels, but they've got a lot of locations in the U.S., mostly in the Northeast. And, and their director of customer experience, a woman by the name of Erin Pepper, when she started uh, a year or so ago at the brand, she said, my goal in the first year is to triple the number of complaints. Think about that. Mm-hmm. She wants to triple the number of complaints because when you get complaints, you have an opportunity to see what's wrong, fix it, and also then blow those customers' minds and win their hearts. Most people say we want fewer complaints. And you know how you get fewer complaints? By not listening. By not listening. By not of asking. Course. It's easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess I didn't get the email. Sorry. Right, right. And you already mentioned earlier that you said 95% of the people out there that have a complaint aren't making the complaint through any channel other than their mouth to their friends at the dinner table, at the boardroom, uh, or at the conference that they're attending. And by the way, uh, the, uh, the stats vary a little bit. The original stat came out from the Technical Assistant Research Program back. Are you ready for this? Almost 30 years ago, in the mid to late 1980s, the White House commissioned this study, and they found that 96% of customers who have a complaint don't make the complaint. And yep. I would have think I would think that after almost 30 years, the number would be a little better than 95% now. You think yeah. we would be listening yeah. and doing something with this information. But uh, hopefully the companies and the people that are going to read your book will do something with it and, and make it better. So, yeah, powerful, powerful information. How important is speed of response? It is important. Um and it depends on the channel, but but interestingly, it's important everywhere. So people cite speed of response as the most important factor in telephone customer service, actually more important than accuracy or politeness. Uh, and so this idea that people will, will wait on hold interminably just because it's on the phone is not true. 
Uh, speed of response is also important in email, and it's an area, Chef, where we're actually not doing a good job. What's happening is some companies are putting more resources into social media customer service as they should, but what they're doing procedurally, and I know this from our own consulting work, is they're taking people off the email chain and putting them on Twitter and Facebook. So in the last year, the average response time for an email in a company has gone from 36 hours to 44 hours, almost two days right. to get an email That's response. That's average company, response crazy. time. And, and yeah. by the way, I know there's some laggards out there that cause that number to be you know, far yes. worse than it is. I mean, there are others that will, will do it in two minutes. But, of course. But uh, there are people out there that wait, you know, 72 hours or even longer, and then you get yep. this email back. And, you know, here's the thing. it's That's three days. If I wanted my question answered in three days, I would have waited three days to ask the question. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so like, what happens all the time uh, now is that is that people send an email, and they don't hear back for two or three days. And so they assume that they're not going to get a response. So then they take an issue that was private and they raise the stakes. They take it public. Then they go to Facebook, Twitter, Yelp, TripAdvisor, and beyond. And now this business has not only two points of inquiry instead of one, but now they have a public angry customer instead of a private angry customer. So what we're doing is creating onstage haters because we're too slow at handling offstage haters. Right. And offstage, I mean, if you can get an offstage hater, I think that's your best hater because that's the one you can fix. And ideally, they'll go out and evangelize. However, that said, if we have somebody that decides to turn to that social channel as their yep. first uh, line of offense, if you will. Uh, and increasingly true because you, people are getting better service there. So, the, you know, if right. you get better service on Twitter, the next time you have a problem, you're starting with Twitter. You're not going to email first. Right, and, and even picking up the phone so you know you're going to get a response back. But, it, you know, the people that publicly complain, ideally, they you, you know, I look at this. I know the companies freak out over it just as they freak out over a negative review on Yelp. But the thing about Yelp is, is sometimes they don't get – they're not able to – uh, defend themselves the same way they can in social, where like on Twitter, somebody makes a complaint, you immediately respond, you say, let's take this to direct message level, you get offline, so to speak, so it's just between you and your hater, even though it's still through the Twitter, it, it, it's not it's not social at that point, and once it's resolved, you go back on publicly and you thank the customer for bringing the problem to your attention ideally that customer comes back on and says well thank you for taking care of it and you've turned that rate uh, or that rant now into some kind of a rave that's actually a, a great pr opportunity absolutely and you can do the same thing in yelp i mean they have both public and private messaging functions and so the same dynamic can apply uh it just doesn't get handled that way uh quite quite as often people some tend to have uh, a pathological aversion to Yelp uh, in many businesses, which uh, which I think is uh, unfortunately uh, misplaced. So, uh, you know, and I want to talk about that Yelp thing uh, for just a few minutes, and we'll take another quick break. Um, if you get a complaint on Yelp, it's not all that bad. It's not the end of the world. Now, dozens of complaints in a row might not look so good, but every once in a while, a complaint could be a good thing. Absolutely. Well, it's you know, it's it's funny. All review sites, not just Yelp, but anything. I mean, Real Self is a review site for plastic surgeons. G2 Crowd is for B2B software. Uh, dealer Raider is for car dealers. I mean, it doesn't matter what business you're in. There's one or more sites that specialize in ratings and reviews of your industry. It just it's everywhere. So, you know, 
know, we love and hate and love to hate all review sites because at some level somebody's telling you your baby's ugly, right? I mean, it's just the way it works. I had somebody in a webinar the other day ask me, literally, this is the question. Hey, Jay, how can we get fewer negative reviews? To which I said, well, you could be a better company. There's That's that pretty easy. Yeah. There's that option. Um, so, but, but this idea that, that, that a negative Yelp review or a negative review anywhere is, is a death knell is really not true because there's many studies that show that some negative reviews actually increase the believability of all the reviews. Customers believe that if all the reviews are positive, that most of those reviews must be fake because nothing's 100% good, right? Everybody has, has, a, has a bad day or has some sort of shortcoming. And so having a negative review here or there mixed into a large number of four and five stars is actually better um, than not having those, which I know is a difficult concept for many people to embrace, but it is, it is proven uh, to be true. So you don't want, you know, the goal should not be no negative reviews. The goal should be to have honest feedback from your customers. And if you get a pattern of negative reviews, maybe instead of worrying about reviews, you should fix whatever the issue is that's causing them to leave those reviews. Right. And, and one of the things we tell our clients is if you start seeing the same things happening over and over again, what you know it's like the, the doctor there's a reason for yeah, that I that's know, not you, an accident you go to the doctor and say it hurts my arm when i raise it this high well stop raising it that high okay it, yeah. it's a, yeah. it's like if you get the negative reviews the same ones over and over again what is happening that causes the same thing over and over again and it's crazy that companies don't react Re- real quick and then we'll take a break because i want to talk about yelp for just one more moment if you get that negative review, so many companies are fixated on trying to get that off their first page. And you and I briefly talked about this. I just want you to confirm it. The best way to get rid of that negative review from the first page is to replace it with a bunch of great reviews that push it down. Yes? Absolutely, yeah. It will automatically get moved down to the second or third page. But I believe that you should answer every review, positive and negative, Yes. which even if it's negative, it shows people that you're listening and it shows them, the spectators, what kind of company you are. Because customer service now is a spectator sport. Ooh, I like that. I like, that is tweetable. There you go. I'm going to tweet that one out. Customer service is a spectator sport. All right, we're going to take a really short break. When we come back, we're going to wrap this up, learn a little bit more about why we should hug our haters. And, Jay, you're a rock star. I I think already I haven't read your book because I know it's not out yet. I'm going to get the galley copy. But I think and I predict that it's going to be my pick for the year because, obviously, I'm very, very tied into customer service and experience. It's what I do. But I think the way you describe it, the way you do it, it's so simple. It's common sense. You make it easy to understand, easy for any company to learn from this book. It's Hug Your Haters. If you haven't gotten it already, HugYourHaters.com. Order it. It'll come out in March, but you get the galley copy immediately. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. This is Shep Hyken, Amazing Business Radio. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24-7, 365 days a year. Just go to www.sheponddemand.com. Once again, that's sheponddemand.com. And remember, always be amazing. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here back on Amazing Business Radio. We're talking with Jay Bear about his newest book, Hug Your Haters. 
And if you want more information, it's HugYourHaters.com. You know, we've been talking about reaction time and how fast you should, you know, if, or if a person's on hold and and speed is almost more important than accuracy uh, in, in the resolution of the problem, which I kind of feel is like, wow, can't I have it all? But you have to react <laughs> fast in social media. I mean, I think if we tweet a problem out, getting a response back quickly, if we, you know, same thing with Facebook, any of the social channels. Uh, let's talk about the reaction time and, and what's realistic. What should a company shoot for? Well, Chef, there's been lots of research on, on that point, social media reaction time. The research that we conducted for Hug Your Haters finds that among people who complain in social media, of those who expect a response, and it's important to note that many people complain in social media indirectly. So they might mention the brand, but they're not really anticipating an answer. They're just looking for an audience, right? They just want their friends to say, oh, that was terrible. They're not necessarily anticipating that a company responds. But among those who expect a response, 40% uh, expect that response within 60 minutes. Most recently, the research that we found uh, is that the average response time for business is five hours. So many people want it in an hour. We're giving it to them in five hours. That's probably not going to get it done. Right. I mean, and they think about it. They, they uh, once again, I you know, we talked about days, you know, seventy-two hours uh, for email responses. But if I'm tweeting something out, it's social media. It's real time. It's happening right now. Yeah. Um, my favorite story about this is I was flying home to St. Louis, and I had to fly through Dallas to get to St. Louis. So you, you know the airline business. There's a hub there. We won't say their name. We'll just call them AA for for anonymous airlines, not American Airlines. Oh, there, I, I blew it. I told you who it was. American <laughs> Airlines. I actually have had great experiences with American Airlines on social media. So we're flying home. It's bad weather. We're circling the airport. The captain says, we're going to be delayed on landing, but don't worry because every other plane coming in is being delayed as well. So I happen to be on the Internet because you can now get on the Internet while you're in an airplane. And I checked on my flight. And I was surprised that my flight was the only flight, apparently, in the entire evening that was supposed to leave on time, which meant if we landed as late as that captain said, I was going to miss my flight. I immediately went on to Twitter, and I know I'm already connected on American Airlines, and I think people need to know how to do this properly. If you want to get resolution quickly to something, you can post it socially for everybody to see, as you call it, you know, do it on stage. Uh, however, if you want to go direct and get a quick answer, hopefully, uh, what I did is I direct messaged American Airlines and I said, I'm circling around the Dallas airport. I'm going to miss my flight to St. Louis. What should I do? And I included my frequent flyer number. And moments later, they came back and said, you're protected on the next flight. Probably nice. less than six minutes. Nice. Yeah. That is good. And I think and, they would have done it sooner. They would have done it sooner. And here's the amazing thing. You, you, mm-hmm. couldn't, you couldn't call them because no. you're on the flight. Right. Uh, and, and, and even if you were on the ground, if you called them, there is almost no way you could handle that in six minutes. Right. And uh, that, that's the point. That and I don't think they could have done it any quicker. I mean, a 30-second response is almost impossible because what they did they had to look it up. is they had to look up the record locator, find out or yep. who I am, look up the record locator for the airline, figure out what flights I'm on, and make the change for me. That takes more than 30 seconds, but they did it yep. in six minutes. And by the way, it's been it, I've had this happen more than once. Um, so I but know. But here's the thing. Next time you have a problem, right. you know, as we mentioned earlier, you're never calling again. 
because you know that it's faster to tweet. And when the whole world figures that out, all these companies that have 90% of their customer service resources tied up on the phone and email are going to be in big trouble. And a lot of what we talk about in Hug Your Haters is it's time now to start shifting resources from private customer service channels to public customer service channels because people are figuring this out. Right. And so I want everybody who has a, uh, a customer service department, if you will, who thinks of it sometimes as a call center. It's not a call center. It's a support center. And support means any channel whatsoever. Which leads me to my next question, which has to do with the difference between people that actually complain online versus the ones that are complaining offline using the traditional yeah. channels. Yeah, the, we, we found some really interesting differences there in the research. The most notable, perhaps, uh, is that you know, there are some, some differences in, in demography and things like that. So people who complain offstage, uh, mostly phone and email, are a little bit older. They're less tech-savvy. They're less social media-savvy. They complain a little bit less often of course, uh, across the course of a year. People who complain on stage, uh, who complain in social media, etc., are a little younger, more social media savvy, more technology savvy, more likely to have a smartphone, etc. And because it's so easy to complain on a phone, uh, uh, you know, a mobile app, that kind of thing, they, they tend to complain more often. But the biggest difference between the offstage and onstage haters is their expectation. So if you complain offstage, phone and email, you expect a reply from a business approximately 90% of the time. And, and, I mean, if you call a company and leave them voicemail or you email a company, you do anticipate a response. Right. Now, we've talked about it may come later than you expect, but you expect them to get – it's like the social contract. Like, we know that's how it works. But if you complain in Facebook, Twitter, TripAdvisor, places like that, only 47% of the time do those people actually anticipate companies to get back to them. And a lot of what we see in social media complaints isn't necessarily a cry for help. It is, in fact, a cry for audience. So what's great about this is the most impactful thing you can do in terms of driving customer advocacy is to find those onstage haters and answer them. Because in many cases, they don't even think that you're going to find it or answer them. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I didn't even think you were going to respond. And now you have. And now my customer advocacy goes up by 20 to 30% according to our research. Right. So this idea is all about expectation management. Online, people don't always expect you to get back to them, at least today. There's a huge opportunity for all businesses. And your strategy is to respond to everyone, regardless of whether they're even expecting or asking for a response. They may, may just be venting, but it's important for you to get back and engage and have that two-way conversation. That, that is the formula. Uh, haters are not your problem. Ignoring them is. But the key to that, though, is being efficient with how you use your time. So what I encourage people to do is follow Jay Bear's rule of reply only twice, which says that never, ever, 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 ever under any circumstances do you ever reply to a customer more than twice in an online forum because you're just wasting time. If somebody is saying something positive and you say, great, thanks, great, thanks, after that you're just wasting time. And if somebody is complaining, you say, we're terribly sorry, and then they complain again. You say, this requires a more in-depth conversation. Please call me or email me. And after that, if they continue, if they continue to berate you, as happens all the time, you just walk away. Right, because you're going to get into a, 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 a yeah. small little match of, Oh, it's, you know. it's a vortex of negativity at that point. And, Ooh, and nobody a wins. vortex of negativity. That's a nobody wins. <laughs> so at that point, you've already shown the audience, the spectators, what kind of organization you are. 
you don't need to wrestle this person to the mat. Number one, you're never going to win. And number two, it's a waste of time. Reply only twice. Got it. So as we start to wrap up here, and we're running out of time, and I know I can talk to you for hours on this, what's holding most companies back from embracing the Hug Your Haters formula of answering every complaint in every channel every time? I think there's there's three pieces to it. One is it, it ain't free, right? It requires real resources to do this. Mm-hmm. Two, they don't believe that it will have a meaningful impact on their business, but it will. And three, they just simply do not have a culture that believes that that customers should be treated with that level of care and respect and consistency. And that's uh, a, a long-term it, disaster. It actually could yeah. be a short-term disaster strategy right there. No company's going to survive. It's because I believe that no matter how uh, good a product is, if the service behind the product doesn't support it, a customer will go somewhere else and even compromise a little bit of that quality in order to be treated fairly, treated well, know they have the confidence in the company. It, it's 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 counterintuitive, but it's the truth. People want to be taken care of. Well, and, and Walker uh, has some great research on this. They say that by 2020, which is just around the corner, customer experience will be more important than price. Right, right. So, so think about that, right? I mean, you know, you can actually charge more if you deliver a better customer experience. Every... Every study that I have been reading for years says that if you deliver the right level of service, and that includes great service in the actual experience, dealing with complaints properly, it, it could even be returns if, if any of the retailers out there are, are listening. Any, if you have a simple, easy-to-return policy, I mean, think about what Zappos has done just by virtue of the fact that, hey, you don't like it, send it back. We'll even pay for that shipping. You don't have to worry about right. it. It raises the confidence level. Zappos and many of these other companies are not the cheapest companies to do business no. with. No, they're more no. expensive. Every study says people will pay more. Price doesn't become irrelevant. It becomes less relevant, and I think that's a powerful positioning piece. If the only loyalty you have with your customer is because of a low price, as soon as somebody else comes up with a price that's one penny or a dollar lower, customer says, see you later. That's not loyalty. It comes from service. Well, what's dangerous about about that notion that, well, Zappos does it, and I hear this all the time. I'm sure you do too in in your consulting workshop is – is companies say things like, well, nobody in our industry delivers that kind of customer service, so why would we invest in it you know, unilaterally? And the problem is it doesn't matter what happens in your industry because companies like Zappos and Ritz-Carlton and Disney and all the other great legacy, Nordstrom, all the great customer experience organizations are training customers what to expect. Right. So if you're in the B2B software business, it doesn't matter if nobody in B2B software does that kind of level of service because Nordstrom teaches people what is possible. We have to stop thinking about our, our narrow little competitive set as the people that, that make the rules of the game. The best companies in the world are making the rules of the game, and you will be much better off adopting those policies than saying, well, Nobody else is spending this kind of money on customer service, so we won't either. Right. So I'm over in another country. Actually, I'm over in West Africa in Nigeria, and I'm getting ready to talk about the Western way of doing business, the customer service. And I asked my client, are these people ready for this? Are the companies willing to spend the money and step up? And not only that, are the customers, are they, are they interested in, ex- in getting this type of service? And this is what they said. The customers are watching TV. 
They know what good service is. And all yeah. of these great companies that you just mentioned are teaching customers what good service is. And they these customers are now demanding of all of the companies they do business with, which leads me to this concept I call a demanding customer. Within your industry, be so good that if your customer left to go somewhere else and demand the same level of service that you provided them, that other company would say, I don't think we can do it. That's too demanding because you've set the standard. That's the key. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that phrase. That's great. So, Jay, you have given us a wealth of information. Uh, I'll just, once again, I'm going to give you the big plug. Hugyourhaters.com. Go there right now. Buy the book. If it's before March 1st, you'll get the galley copy. If it's after March 1st, you'll get the actual book. This is one of the most important concepts. And here's what else I'm going to say, Jay. I hope that about a year or two from now, this book is obsolete and means nothing. And that's because you have created a revolution in the world of customer service and gotten companies to embrace their haters. And they've all taken to it. And therefore, you're going to have to write another book about another topic that's just as important. I hope so, but I doubt it, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, Jay, thanks for joining us, everybody. We have been talking with Jay Bear all about hug your haters and customer service. My name's Chef Hyken, and I'm reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.